Good evening, everybody. Let's all stand, and we'll start off with a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, I just thank you again for this time, Lord. I just pray to be the service and my honor and glorify you. I pray to be these ones here and be the ones that are not, Lord. Look after them. Be the service, might it be a blessing for them. Bless them, we pray. Amen. Let's all take your hymn, most internal hymn number 211. Back to hymn number 288. Hymn number 
got a heart that's full of faith-filled helplessness there are mountains ahead that i can't move by myself but i know when i'm weak he's strong and i can barely breathe the stillest song even though it's hard right now i'm not here on my own so when it seems it can't be done i know god is big enough i can run the race i'm called to run because i know god is big enough he'll finish everything he starts he'll meet us right here where we are and i can't feel faith rising up because i know god is big enough on the days that the shadows of doubt make me feel small day you didn't plan every single moment is in your hands even if the whole world shakes you're the rock on which i stand so when it seems it can't be done i know god is big enough i can run the race i'm called to run because i know god is big enough he'll finish everything he starts meet us right here where we are and i can't feel faith rising up because i know god is big enough bigger than the fear that surrounds me bigger than the chains that have bound me bigger than the story my past can tell bigger than the weight of tomorrow sorrow bigger than the lies i've told myself so when it seems it can't be done i know god is big enough i can run the race i'm called to run because i know god is big enough he'll finish everything he starts he'll meet us right here where we are i can't feel faith everything he starts he'll meet us right here where we are and i can't feel faith rising up because i know god is big enough yeah i know god is big Amen. It's good to be in the Lord's house tonight and to have each one of you with us. Had a beautiful day today and uh, we have much to be thankful for and uh, it's good to be able to be together tonight. So in preparation for tonight, we're going to be in Jeremiah chapter 46 and uh, chapter 48. We'll combine those two. 
There'll be a lot of notes, so if you're interested, you can do the background running. Otherwise, this would take several weeks to preach. Uh, but we're trying to, in a timely fashion, uh, move through the book of Jeremiah. And hopefully, uh, by Christmas, we'll be totally done with the book of Jeremiah. And then turning into the new year, uh, we can be looking at st- starting a study in another book. Uh, so... Uh, we are in, like I said, we're in chapter 46, and I'm going to begin reading verse number one. You can follow along. We'll just read two verses and get started. The word of the Lord, which came to Jeremiah the prophet against the Gentiles, against Egypt, against the army of Pharaoh king of Egypt, which was by the river Euphrates, by Charchemus, which Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, smote, in the fourth year of Jehoiakim, the son of Josiah, king of Judah. Lord, we love you tonight, and we thank you so much for the wonderful opportunity that is ours to be here in your house. We thank you for the beautiful day that you've given us, the wonderful weather, and Lord, uh, we just thank you for that. We thank you for your word. What a joy it is to be able to hold your word in our hands, to be able to read and study from it. And tonight, Lord, uh, we'd ask that you would just meet with us, that you would reveal your word to us, and Lord, that we might be able to pick up uh, not only some historical background of uh, things that have gone on in the past, but Lord, that we might be able to pick up some things that will help us here in the future and uh, in the time that we're living. So Lord, uh, allow the Holy Spirit to move in our hearts and in our midst and have your will accomplished. We would praise you for that. We thank you for the many blessings you give us. Thank you for our brothers and sisters in Christ, a good church to be able to come to, a good place to honor and glorify you. We love you and we thank you for your blessings. We ask these things in your name. Amen. And so uh, here we are in chapter 46. Uh, We're going to start with Egypt. This is actually uh, 46 deals with Egypt and 48 deals with Moab. And so uh, we'll be talking about Egypt here in, in the, the whole chapter of 46, 1 through 28. And uh, we see that Jeremiah prophesizes a battle uh, that's going to take place uh, here in uh, verse number 2. And uh, the parties involved, uh, the Egyptian Pharaoh Necho, Uh, is soundly defeated by the Babylonian king Nebuchadnezzar uh, beside the Euphrates River. And so uh, Jeremiah is kind of relaying to the people, this is what's going to happen. There's going to be this war. Uh, The Egyptian pharaoh Necho is going to be soundly defeated. Uh, Nebuchadnezzar is going to meet with him down by the Euphrates River, and the battle belonged to him. And then we see not only the parties that were involved, uh, but we see the pride. There's uh, a lot of pride involved in a situation like this. Verses 3 and 4 says, Order ye the buckler and the shield and draw near to battle. Harness the horses and get up, ye horsemen, and stand forth with your helmets. Furbish the spears and put on the brigandines. Who is this that cometh up as a flood, and whose waters are moved as the rivers? Egypt riseth up like a flood, and his waters are moved like the rivers. And he saith, I will go up, and I will cover the earth, and I will destroy 
the city and the inhabitants thereof. Come up, ye horses, and rage, ye chariots, and let the mighty men come forth, the Ethiopians and the Libyans uh, that handle the shield, and Lydians that handle and bend the bow. And so uh, we see that uh, there's a lot of pride, uh, arrogance. Uh, Egypt is saying, hey, we're going to come. We're going to face this foe. We are many, and uh, we cover the ground like the water, and uh, like a great flood, we're going to rise up, and then they suffer a horrible defeat. It leads us to the fourth point under our first point, uh, which is the panic. The panic, verses 5 and 6, and then verses 13 through 18. So we had the pride, uh, verses 3 and 4, and 7 through 9. And now we're going to have the panic, 5 through 6, and 13 through 18. Wherefore have I seen them dismayed and turn away back, and their mighty ones are beaten down and are fled apace, and look not back, for fear was around about, saith the Lord." Let not the swift flee away, nor the mighty men escape. They shall stumble and fall towards the north by the river Euphrates. And so this great panic breaks out as the battle is going on. Uh, the Egyptians thought they were going to win this kind of hands down. But Nebuchadnezzar, Nebuchadnezzar is a mighty foe and uh, seems to be ordained of the Lord to win this battle. As Jeremiah, his prophet, is proclaiming uh, that this battle is going to be fought and therefore Nebuchadnezzar is going to win it. We see that there's a great terror that fills the heart of the strong Egyptian warriors, verses 5 through 6. They flee without ever looking back. They're gone. They're out of there. Uh, They lose total confidence in their Pharaoh to deliver them, verses 13 through 18. And Pharaoh, the king of Egypt, is uh, a loudmouth who missed his opportunity. He said he was going to Defeat, he was going to win, he was going to do this, he's going to do that, and none of it came to pass. And so now we see the punishment. So we see the battle, and it takes place there uh, in uh, chapter 46. And now we're going to see the punishment as a result of having lost the battle. And uh, so that'll be verses 10 through 12 and verses 19 through 26. Uh, verse number 10, it says, For this is the day of the Lord God of hosts, the day of vengeance, that he may avenge him and his adversaries, and the sword shall devour, and it shall be saturated and made drunk with their blood. And the Lord God of hosts hath a sacrifice in the north country by the river Euphrates. Go up into Gilead and take balm, O virgin, the daughter of Egypt. In vain shalt thou use many medicines, for thou shalt not be cured. The nations have heard of thy shame, and thy cry hath filled the land, for the mighty man has stumbled against the mighty, and they are fallen both together. And so the uh, Babylonian swords are covered with a lot of Egyptian blood. Uh, it is prophesied they need to bring their doctors, their bomb, their help. Uh, but Egypt becomes a shame. Uh, of the nations in verse number 12 the earth is filled with their cries of despair their capital cities are destroyed verses 19 through 24 Uh, not a single person in those cities live their gods are punished pharaoh and the people are enslaved by babylon and uh, however the lord says afterwards the land will recover from the ravages of war 
but they had to lose. Uh, God had a plan, a punishment uh, for, for the people here, uh, for Pharaoh, for Egypt, and he has brought it through the hand of Nebuchadnezzar. Then we see the promise. The promise, verses 27 through 28. Uh, Israel's reassured of a future restoration to its land. And so verse 27 says, But fear not thou, O my servant Jacob, and be not dismayed, O Israel. For behold, I will save thee from afar off, and thy seed from the land of their captivity. And Jacob shall return, and be in rest, and at ease, and none shall make him afraid. Fear thou not, O Jacob, my servant, saith the Lord, for I am with thee. For I will make a full end of all the nations, whether I have driven thee, but I will not make a full end of thee, but correct thee in measure, yet will I not leave thee wholly unpunished. And so we go back, we remember Jeremiah is telling the people, judgment is coming, uh, the Babylonian king is going to come, he's going to execute judgment, stay where you're put, or go surrender yourself to him. Uh, we see the king Zedekiah comes up and he says, look, we're, we're going to fight. We're not going to tolerate this. We're not going to put up with it. And so the punishment of God is greater upon them because of their rejection to follow God. And so now we find at the end of all of it that God says, look, uh, there is going to be restoration. You will get to go back to the land once your judgment is fulfilled. Once I've completed uh, giving you all the judgment that is necessary, all the punishment that you deserve, then you'll go back to the land, you'll have it once again. Unlike those nations that are being used of the Lord to execute this judgment, because they have no promise to be able to go back to their land, we find that Israel has the promise, Judah has a promise, to be able to one day return. So that leads us to chapter 48. Chapter 48. And uh, this is 47 verses long. And so uh, I'll give you it in an outline form. And again, uh, please take notes so you can go back and look through it. Uh, first thing we notice, uh, it's Moab. That's our second point, Moab. First one is Egypt. Moab, and the first point under that is the apostasy. Verse 7 and verse 35. The people worship the idol Chemosh, among other false gods, instead of Jehovah. And so Moab has come to a point where they brought in these other gods and are worshiping them instead of the one true God, Jehovah. Verse 7 says, For because thou hast trusted in thy works and in thy treasures, thou shalt also be taken, and Chemosh shall go forth into captivity with his priests and his princes together, Verse 35, Moreover, I will cause to cease in Moab, saith the Lord, him that offereth in the high places, and him that burneth incense to his gods. And so this judgment's coming uh, because they are worshiping false gods, and God's trying to bring them back to a relationship with him, and so this punishment must come. And so we see the apostasy, now we see the arrogance, uh, in verse number 11 through 14 and verses 25 through 30, everyone knows of Moab's pride and insolence. Moab hath been at ease from his youth. I'm sorry. <clears throat> verse number 11, Moab hath been at ease from his youth 
and he has settled on his lees, and hath not been emptied from vessel to vessel, neither hath he gone into captivity. Therefore his taste remaineth in him, and his scent is not changed. Therefore, behold, the days come, saith the Lord, that I will send unto him wanderers, that shall cause him to wonder, and shall empty his vessels, and break their bottles. And Moab shall be ashamed of Chemosh, as the house of Israel was ashamed of Bethel, their confidence. How say you, we are mighty and strong men of war? And in verse 25, the horn of Moab is cut off, and his arm is broken, saith the Lord. Make ye him drunken, for he magnifieth himself against the Lord. Moab also shall wallow in his vomit, and he also shall be in derision. For, as, for was not Israel a derision unto them? Was he found among thieves? For since thou spakest of him, thou skippest for joy. O ye that dwell in Moab, live Leave the cities and dwell in the rock and be like the dove that maketh her nest in the sides of the hole's mouth. Verse 29. We have heard the pride of Moab. He is exceeding proud. His loftiness and his arrogance and his pride and the haughtiness of his heart. I know his wrath, saith the Lord, but it shall not be so. His lies shall not so affect it. Interesting that when we find... Uh, uh, people in this situation, the arrogance and the pride that seems to run through them. Uh, when someone is in sin, uh, they become very prideful of themselves, of where they're at in life. And so whether it's the, the pride itself that causes the sin or sin that brings the pride, they kind of go hand in hand. And here's Moab. They have taken their ease. They have quit worshiping God. They have quit worrying about their spiritual condition and they've gone to worshiping gods around them uh they have worshiped the things around them they've worshiped the beauty around them uh they have worshiped uh, many other things but god and so god pronounces this judgment that's going to come on them and i love the way he said that in verse number 26 make he drunken for he magnifieth himself against the lord moab also shall wallow in his vomit and he also shall be in derision. Anytime that we want to exalt ourselves against the Lord, we think ourselves to be smarter than him or brighter than him or that his word is old and archaic and, and I have this interpretation that belongs to me and, and I think this is the way things need to be. Anytime we exalt ourselves like that, we can look for there to come a point where there's derision, uh, not being able to understand, not being able to make the point not being able to go the way that we know that we should go uh, because pride is elevated and here moab's lifted up through his pride and in verse 29 talks about the fact he is exceeding proud his loftiness and his arrogance and his pride and the haughtiness of his heart no we need to guard against pride in our life Daily, we ought to go before the throne of God and beg God and ask God, God, help me to humbly walk before you today. Help me not to be prideful. Help me to be thankful. Help me to seek to walk with you, to humbly walk in your presence and before others that they might see you in me. Leads us to the third thing. We find the divine anger. The divine anger. And so we've got the arrogance 
and we've got the apostasy, and now we have the divine anger. It's going to be verses 8 through 10, 15 through 16, and 40 through 46. And so its cities will be destroyed and burned. Because of all these verses, let's just go right to verse 15. Moab is spoiled and gone up out of her cities, and his chosen young men are gone down to the slaughter, saith the king, whose name is the Lord of hosts. The calamity of Moab is near to come, and his affliction hasteth fast. So many times, if we're not careful, if we, if we find ourselves in pride, we begin to think, hey, you know, I'm pretty good. I've got these things in hand. I'm going to be able to take care of myself. I've got this plotted out my direction. I'm going to do it my way. Uh, we forget about the fact that there's a God in heaven who has a plan for us and desires that we might walk with him and serve him. And uh, if we're not careful, we become elevated in ourselves and we can become lifted up in ourselves. And then God has to turn to us to bring us down again to where we might be usable in his hand. So the judgment of God needs to come. In verse number 45 and 48, it says, uh, They that fled stood under the shadow of Heshbon because of the force, but a fire shall come forth out of Heshbon and a flame from the midst of Sion and from the and shall devour the corner of Moab and the crown the head of the tumultuous ones. Woe be unto thee, O Moab. O Moab. Woe be to us if we go contrary to the word of God. I kind of think America is there. I think of our nation. By the way, I hope you've been out to vote. If you haven't, I'd encourage you to, to get voted. Uh, next Tuesday's the final day, and uh, so I'd encourage you to get out and vote. Uh, but Moab's become a nation of, the, of people that they're proud in and of themselves. They're proud about the things that they uh, have and the things that they've accomplished, and they don't need God. They don't want to hear about God. They don't need God. They have no room for Him in their life. And we need to just constantly be reminded, I can't take another step without the Lord in my life. Uh, as Peyton sang about, we have so much to be thankful for. God's done so much for us. Uh, and what a, what a great song, what a great reminder. Our fourth point tonight under, the, uh, under this, our second point, I guess it's d letter D in my outline, it's the anguish. The anguish, 1 through 6, 17 through 24, 31 through 34, and 36 through 39. So in uh, the first six verses, uh, we see that uh, Moab uh, is, has judgment pronounced. There's going to be a battle, it says, against Moab, thus saith the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, woe unto Nebo, for it is spoiled, uh, cured Thatham is confounded and taken. Misgab is confounded and dismayed. There shall be no more praise of Moab and Heshbon. They have devised evil against it. Come and let us cut it off from being a nation. Also thou shalt cut down, O madman. The sword shall pursue thee. A voice of crying shall be from Honor and spoiling and great destruction. Moab is destroyed. Her little ones have caused a cry to be heard. For in the going up of Lutha, continually weeping shall go up. For in the going down of Horam, the 
enemies hath heard a cry of destruction, flee, save your lives, and be like the uh, heath of the wilderness. And so judgment's coming, as promised. Uh, we see this judgment of the Moabs, uh, the Moabites, uh, verses 1 and 6, and verses 37 through 39. Uh, they will climb the hills and hide in the wilderness, weeping bitterly. Uh, they trust in themselves and in their God, and neither can save them. They will shave their heads, slice their hands, and put on sackcloth, verse 37, 39. And Moab will be smashed like an old unwanted bottle. Of its neighbors, 17 through 24, even surrounding nations will sorrow over Moab's pain. So the, the nations around are going to be witnessing what's happening to Moab, and they're going to feel sorry for them, watching them go through that. And sometimes uh, I've watched people feel sorry for people receiving the judgment of God. And uh, I think we need to realize that that's a testimony to us. We need to pray for them. We need to try to help them to get back to God, get their heart right with the Lord. Uh, But sometimes people do sorrow through the punishment of God in front of us that we might be warned about our walk with God. And then of Jeremiah, verses 31 through 34 and 36, his heart is broken over God's judgment on Moab. And then the assurance comes in verse number 46. Uh, It says, Yet will I bring again the captivity of Moab in the latter days, saith the Lord. Thus far is the judgment of Moab. And so God has promised that even through the midst of all this judgment, he's going to restore uh, the countries. He's going to restore... Uh, His people, those that have named the name of Christ, He will restore them, lift them up. And it's good to know that if we walk away from God and we find ourselves in sin, that we can come back to Him. We can come back to Him. We can be restored. It can be, uh, you know, we still have to carry the scars of sin, but we can come back to Him and He will make uh, make us right before Him and allow us to continue to live for Him. And so never think that, you know, I've gone too far down, I've gone too far away from God. God will never want me back. God always wants us back. He welcomes us back. And he wants us to continue to walk with him and to serve him. Lord, we love you tonight and thank you for your word. Thank you for uh, the example here of Egypt and Moab and uh, the judgment that came their way as a result of their arrogance and pride, uh, their uh, result of their walking away from you and having many gods that they worship. Lord, I pray that we would draw from those examples in our own life, uh, not only the historical events that have happened here, but uh, the spiritual picture that we might seek to walk with you and to serve you and put you first in all we do. Thank you for your goodness and your love. We praise your name for all of it. We ask it in your blessed name. Amen. Would you stand with me tonight? We'll have a moment of invitation. If God was spoken to your heart, you would like to come to the altar. We'd like to give you opportunity to do so. Have thine own way, Lord. Have thy own way, Lord. Have thy own way. Thou art the potter. I am the Yeah.
Just now. 